Be sure to make note of our upcoming events. In the month of June, we will resume in-person gatherings at Preston Trail Community Church at the McKinney campus. It's located at 1611 Wilmoth Road in McKinney. We'll be meeting Saturdays at 5 p.m. No RSVP is required. On Saturday, June 5th, we will hold communion and a new sermon series will begin. Saturday, June 19th is Father's Day and baby dedications. Please email admin at weareconverged.com if you plan to dedicate your little one during our baby dedication ceremony. Be sure to visit our e-store to purchase your Converge summer merch while supplies last. You can make these purchases at store.weareconverged.com. Follow, subscribe, and share us on social at WeAreConverge. Make sure to select the notification button so you can get updates whenever we add new content to our social media platforms.
Come on, take a sec, Cree. I've got the best life now. Living my best life now. I've got the best life now. Oh, Jesus, I'm alive. Sing it again. I've got the best life now. Living my living my best life now. I got
Hey there, Converge Nation. Pastor Ray here with ah, a very special update for our Converge family. You know, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1 declares that to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. And for our church and for me and Pastor Wendy and our family personally, uh, this is one of those bitter, sweet seasons. And, and uh, bitter because uh, we get to bid farewell for now uh, to a very special family that's near and dear to our hearts, but also near and dear to our church as well. It's sweet because we know that their steps are ordered of the Lord and what God has in store for them next is going to be simply glorious. And we believe, according to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, it will exceed everything that they could ever ask or imagine. And so without further ado, uh, we'd like to uh, inform our Converge family that Damon and Camille and their daughters, Abigail and Christina, will be transitioning uh, from Converge Church to Atlanta, Georgia. And we're excited about their why. Uh, I don't want to steal his thunder. Uh, he'll mention why they're moving uh, across the country, but it's exciting to us, and we pray that you will be equally as excited. And uh, so without further ado, I'd like to welcome uh, my friend uh, Damon Denson as he shares uh, this final message as a Dallas resident at Converge. Uh, we know he'll be back again, and we hope he'll be back again soon. Uh, he'll always be a part. He and Camille and their family will always be a part uh, of the uh, City Church slash Converge Church story. Uh, we're honored uh, that we got to serve as their pastors uh, for a number of years. And, uh, and man, we are excited about what God does next in and through their family. Come on, Converge. Let's give Damon a rowdy right where you are. I know we're virtual, but right where you are in the comfort of your home. Let's give Damon a rowdy, loud, and proud Converge Church welcome as he comes. Hello everyone, my name is Damon Denson and I am so excited to bring you the word of God on this morning. The scripture says that we are born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which lives and abides forever. We're coming out of the book of Acts this morning, chapter 28. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 6 in the New Living uh, Translation. Uh, uh, I'm used to King James. I grew up uh, reading that old rugged King James, but today uh, I want to go to the New Living Translation so that we could have a better and more excellent understanding. And the Word of God reads as the following. Verse 1, once we were safe on the shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. Verse 3, as Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake, driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, a murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. Verse number five, but Paul shook off the snake 
into the fire and was unharmed. And the people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw that he was not harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. Our focus this morning is going to come in verse number six, where the scripture declares that the people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. Another translation says that they expected for him to suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. They changed their minds and decided. They changed their minds and decided. This morning, I want to uh, talk about the subject, how to live a mind-changing life. How to live a mind-changing life. You know, one of the things that I've come to understand is that often the greatest insight comes through hindsight. And that oftentimes it's, uh, it's when you look back over your life, when you can truly see how God made ways for you, how he blessed you, uh, the provisions and the favor of God. Uh, and oftentimes while you're going through certain circumstances or situations, it may not seem uh, that things are going this well, but often in hindsight, looking back, you can see the hand of God and the provision of God and the power of God over your life. Now, hindsight is powerful, and it teaches us four things that I really want to dive into this morning. Number one, hindsight teaches you how you got to where you are. Very important to understand. It's not until you look back in hindsight that you can see the decisions that were made for you to understand how you got to where you are. And there are three decisions that, uh, that make up how we get to wherever we are in life. Number one, it's decisions that you make. Number two, it's decisions made by other people. And number three, it's decisions made by God. Now, let's talk about the first one, decisions that you make. Uh, my mind goes back to when I was a teenager uh, growing up near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, and I'll never forget, I, I saw my, my, my mother and father, they would drive the vehicle around. And as a 14-year-old teenager, I say, well, hey, if they can do it, I can do it. It looks easy enough. And so because it looked easy, I thought that I could do it. So what did I do? I, had a, I found an opportunity where I wanted to go over a friend's house and uh, my parents went home, grabbed the keys, started up the car. And as I was driving down the road with my 14 year old, no license having self, I ended up wrecking into some parked cars and having an accident that thankfully was not serious. But because I made that decision, the cars were wrecked, the police came, uh, I had to deal with other repercussions. Why? Because the decision that I made brought me to the place that I was in. It was how I got to where I was. And so we have decisions that we make that bring us to where we are. We also have decisions made by other people that bring us to where we are. Now, I could probably pass around the mic and you all have a story about how your life was positively or negatively affected 
by the decisions of other people. But oftentimes it is those decisions that put us in a place of where we are. And then finally, there are the decisions that are made by God. Wow. And that's the good news. The good news is, is regardless of any decisions that you made or decisions that other people have made, the decisions that God makes can veto all of them. They can overcome all of them and bring you to a wholesome and healthy place. The Bible talks about being predestined. You know what that means? It means that God has predestined you or already made a decision about who you're going to be and where you're going to be. He's already decided the place that you are going to grow up. He's already decided the parents that you're going to have. He's already decided the race that you are going to be. He's already decided the life that you're going to live. God, watch this, has already decided. And his decision, his great decision, is better than any bad decision you can ever make. His decision to love you unconditionally is more than any bad decision that anyone can make against you or that even you can make yourself. And so God has made decisions. Decisions, watch this, as you look back in hindsight, or how you got to where you are. And so not only does hindsight teach you how you got to where you are, it also teaches you why you got to where you are. And when we talk about the why, now we're talking about purpose. Now we're talking about destiny. See, one of the things that I've come to understand is that all purposes have pit stops and all destinies have detours. I'm gonna say that again. All purposes have pit stops and all destinies have detours. Now understand this, pit stops are not permanent, but places of preparation. I'll never forget when I was uh, in college back at the University of Michigan. I had a f fantastic time. Uh, I met the Lord there. Uh, I got saved there. Uh, had a chance to play some great football uh, at a great university. Uh, uh, had some great rivalries with uh, 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 many great teams around the Big Ten. Uh, but when that time was over, I had to move on. I couldn't stay there. Why? Because it was not a permanent place. It was only a pit stop. It was only a place to prepare me for my next journey in the NFL. When I, when I got to the NFL, when I got to the New England Patriots, when they drafted me, uh, it was wonderful to play in New England. Foxborough was an incredible environment. Uh, we had a great time, great experiences. But when my NFL career was over, I couldn't stay there. Why? Because the NFL was not designed to be permanent. It was only a pit stop. And if you know anything about the NFL, you know what it stands for, not for long. <laughs> so I pray that uh, many of my NFL brethren have backup plans uh, after the careers are over. But it was a pit stop, not a permanent place. And then I think about even when my uh, family and I moved here to Texas uh, and how, man, we were just so excited to be here uh, in the Bible Belt where all the mega churches are and all uh, TBN and Daystar and, and Jesus everywhere and Jesus under your pillow and Jesus in your nightstand and just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We had a phenomenal time here. There were good times, there were bad times, there were wonderful times. But then the Lord began to deal with my heart and began to say, son, listen, this was never designed to be a permanent place, only a pit stop to prepare you 
for your next destination. This is why it's so important that you can't hold so tightly onto anything. And you, but so that you can be flexible when God calls you to move somewhere you can move. When God tells you to give something you can give. When God tells you to do this or tells you to do that, you're not so holding on tightly to what you have as if it was permanent, as if there was nothing better behind what God is calling you to do. You have to be flexible and be willing to release and do what God has called you to do and move in to his destiny for your life. And so pit stops are not permanent, but places of preparation. And then there's detours. Every destiny has a detour. Now, here's something you have to understand about detours. Uh, detours are designed to take you a different route. Uh, for example, if you are driving down the highway and you notice that there is an accident in front of you, uh, oftentimes you will see what is called a detour sign. And what that means is instead of you running into that accident, it gives you another route to the same destination. And oftentimes I believe God, that's what he will do. He will uh, allow detours in your life because he sees accidents that may be in front of you. He sees uh, that accident of a relationship. He sees that accident of the wrong job. He sees that accident of uh, the wrong person. He sees that accident decision that you're about to make. And so instead of allowing you to plow into an accident, he loves you enough to take you on a detour. Aren't you grateful for every detour that God has placed in your life? Aren't you grateful that when you were right headed smack into an accident, God swerved you out of the way? And watch this, here's the great thing about it. A detour does not change your destination. It just changes your route. And that's what most people have to understand. Whenever detours come in your life, it doesn't mean the destination has changed. Your calling hasn't changed. God's mind hasn't changed. What he's said to you hasn't changed. It only means that he's rerouting you to keep you safe from the accidents in front of you. And so we've got pit stops for a purpose. We've got every destiny that has its detours. And here's something to understand. We talked about the, uh, the, the how you got to where you are and the why you got to where you are. And understand that the why is always greater than the how. <laughs> Did you hear what I just said? I said your why is always greater than the how. So don't be caught up in how you didn't succeed or how you got here or how you grew up or how you didn't get this or how you, did, you didn't get that. Your why, your purpose, your destiny is always greater than the how. Very important to understand. So hindsight teaches you how you got to where you are, why you got to where you are, and then hindsight also teaches you about God. There's nothing like uh, looking back over your life to see the faithfulness of God. You know, I could look, after, look uh, back on my life and remember when I was growing up in Pennsylvania, uh, I would walk to two and a half to three miles every day in the dark, uh, weaving through people's backyards just to get the football practice. And I think to myself, my God, I was only 10 years old at the time. 
I think about the dogs and I think about uh, the, uh, the, the people and people that may have seen me going through the backyard may have guns. I mean, it's just all the things that God protected me from. But why? He protected me because he knew my life had a purpose. He knew my life had a destiny. He knew that he had a plan for my life that was greater than my current situation. And so his protection, in hindsight, his provision, I've got story after story on how God has supernaturally made ways out of no way. And I'm sure you do too. His correction. Whoo! <laughs> has God ever corrected you? Do you know correction is proof of God's love for you? Do you realize the reason why God is correcting you is because he doesn't want you harmed? He doesn't want you to make bad decisions? I tell you, there's been many times where God has corrected me through parents. He's corrected me through coaches. He's corrected me through my wife. He's corrected me through my children. He's corrected me through his word. He's corrected me through the Holy Spirit because he loved me. And as I look back in hindsight, I said, Lord, I thank you. Because if you hadn't corrected me, my life would be so much different than it is right now. And I thank you that you gave me even the mind to receive correction like a good son. And then there's the direction of God. Looking in hindsight, every rejection was direction from God. I think about, you know, uh, all the, the different people that I wanted to be with and the places that I wanted to go, whether it's through work, whether it's in ministry, whether it's in athletics. And I think about the doors that he opened. And then I also think about the doors that he closed. And I am so grateful to God for every door that he closed. At the time, it didn't feel good. At the time, it didn't feel right. But, his re but the rejection was God's direction for my life so that he can point me to where he wanted me to be. And you have to rest in that. You have to rest in that. See, oftentimes the reason why it's difficult for us to rest in rejection is because we don't see the big picture. See, God sees the big picture. You see what's only in the picture frame. God sees outside the frame, around the big picture, to see everything that you're gonna need in your life. And so I thank God for correction. He teaches you about God, hindsight. Watch this. It also, hindsight, teaches you about yourself. You know, we know a lot about God. We hear a lot of teaching about God. The whole Bible is about God. Our lives are about God. In Him we live and move and have our being. It's all about God. But I have come to discover, as important as it is to know about God, it's also extremely important to know yourself. Very, very important to know yourself. See, knowing yourself is not selfishness, it's self-discovery. It's finding out about you. See, God already knows you. Scripture says that he knows the very number of hairs on your head. He, he, he knows your, your, your fingerprints. He, he knows everything, uh, uh, every intimate detail about you. But my question for you this morning is, do you know you? Do you know what you like? Do you know your dislikes? Do you know your gifts? Do you know your talents? Do you know the purpose in which you were created? Knowing yourself is not selfishness, it's self-discovery. And the more you know about yourself, the more you know about how God created you, and the closer you come to your purpose.
very important to understand. I remember uh, uh, my last days of uh, playing football and, and I was upset and, and hurt because I'd played ball my whole life. But then the Lord began to really deal with me and said, son, if I allowed you to stay in that athletic arena, there are gifts, talents, and abilities that would have stayed buried. It would have been stayed buried under that football helmet, buried under those pads, buried under the expectations of other people. And God was gracious enough to allow me to transition from that place to a place where he began to reveal gifts and talents and skills and abilities that I didn't even realize that I had. He introduced me to myself, not who people wanted me to be, but who God created me to be. And so very, very important to understand. Hindsight teaches us how we got where we are, why we got where we are, teaches us about God, and then it teaches us about ourselves. But this morning we're talking about how to live a mind-changing life. And I just want to give you a few more principles on how to live a mind-changing life, and I'll be out of your way. In order to live a mind-changing life, there's a few things you have to do. Number one, you have to be terrific at what is tedious. The scripture says in Acts uh, 28 and 3, the Bible says that Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was lying them on the fire. A poisonous snake driven out of the heat bit him on the hand. Think about this now. This is the great apostle Paul gathering sticks, throwing them in a fire. That seems so mundane. That seems so tedious. That seems so ordinary. That doesn't seem miraculous. That doesn't see, I, you don't see anyone getting healed. You don't see any demons being cast out. You don't see any Red Sea being parted. But because Paul was terrific at the tedious, because he understand mastering the mundane, he understood how significant details are in life and how he understood how significant discipline is in life. See, discipline is a foundational issue in your life. The things that you do now in the dark God will reveal in the light in the later. So it's very, very important to understand. You have to be terrific at the things that are tedious. You can't get bored. You have to be, do your best even when you're bored. Not only do you have to be terrific at what is tedious, but you also have to be sober when dealing with people. The scripture says in Acts 28 and 4 uh, that the people of uh, of the island saw hanging from his hand and said to each other, a murderer, no doubt, though he escaped to see justice, will not permit him to live. You got to be sober when you do this. Now, now wait, this, 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 is, this is mind boggling to me because aren't these the same people that in verse number two were so welcoming to Paul? Aren't they the same people that were so kind, the Bible says, that they were kind to Paul? They welcomed him. They helped start a fire for him. Now, so you go from verse number two, kindness, to verse number four, callous. The, so the people went from kindness to callous. This is why you have to be sober when you're dealing with people. And here's something you have to understand. Never forget this, that kindness 
can never cover up a belief system. <laughs> I'm going to say that again. Someone's kindness can never cover up their belief system. Because the right squeeze will always reveal what you believe. You know, that's worth repeating. The right squeeze will always reveal what you believe. You know, people can be initially very kind and friendly and hospitable, but if you put them under the right amount of pressure, if you put them in the right environment, the right squeeze will reveal what they believe, what they believe about other people, what they believe about race, what they believe about religion, what they believe about politics, what they believe about God. Kindness can never cover up a belief system. This is why Jesus said that, listen, 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 listen. I love people, but I can't trust myself to them. John 2, uh, 23 through 25. Why? Because he understood human nature. He understood that people are people. This is why when he was hanging on the cross and all the people that were so for him now deserted him and left him and ridiculed him, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They're only human. So you're going to have to be sober when you're dealing with people. Verse 5. But here's something very powerful. 28 and 5. But Paul, watch this, shook off the snake into the fire as one, and, and was unharmed. And so another thing you have to do in order to live a mind-changing life is that you must be focused. Paul was so focused on his assignment that he barely noticed the snake biting him. Think about that. He was so locked in. He was so focused. He was so tunnel vision that the snake biting him, he didn't even wink at it. He didn't, it didn't even move him at all. Because he understands that if I'm going to accomplish the will of God in my life, I've got to stay focused. And another thing that he understands is that the greatest challenge for man is not death, it's distractions. Jesus has already conquered death. You ain't got to worry about that. What you got to worry about is distractions. And so when the people were all in a frenzy that he got bit by a snake, Paul wasn't worried because he didn't see the snake as death. He saw it as a distraction. And so it's important for you to stay focused when you know your purpose and you know your mission and you know the goals and you know your assignment to stay focused on what God has called you to do and not be uh, persuaded by distractions in disguise. See, oftentimes uh, distractions can be disguised as good things, as good causes as things that seem like they're the right thing to do. But yet and still, if it doesn't align with your purpose, if it doesn't align with your calling, if it doesn't align with your assignment, it's a distraction. And I want to challenge you to do what Paul did whenever the distraction came. He shook it off. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Shake it off of you.
every distraction, every gnawing thing, everything that people are trying to make an emergency in your life, shake it off. They don't define emergencies. You define emergencies. Stay focused. Stay on target. Stay on point. Don't get distracted. The scripture says in verse number six that the people waited for him to swell up and suddenly drop dead. Whew. The people waited for him. They expected him to drop dead. If you were going to live a life that is mind changing, you're going to have to learn how to live beyond the limited expectations of other people. The reason why they expected Paul to die from the snake bite is because every other person they had been exposed to died from a snake bite. And so their level of exposure determined their level of expectation. <laughs> See, that's why exposure is so important because you can never go beyond your level of exposure. And so they, they thought he was going to die just like every other man that they'd ever been exposed to. But you cannot allow the low expectations of other people to determine what God is going to do in your life. You've got to live above the limited expectations of other people. So the scripture says that they waited for them to swell up and suddenly drop dead. Watch this. But here's what I like in verse 6. But when they had waited a long time and saw he wasn't harmed. <laughs> you know what else you're going to have to do in order to live a, a, a mind-changing life? You're going to have to outlast the doubters. <laughs> outlast them. You know how you outlast the doubters? You are consistent. You keep doing what's right over and over and over again. Because there's going to be people that are going to wait for you to fail. Wait for you to go under. Wait for you not to succeed. Wait for you for whatever, whether it's hatred, jealousy, whatever their reasons are. There's going to be people that are waiting for you to fail. But God says, you can outlast them. <laughs> you can outlast. This is why the Bible says to be not weary in well-doing. For in due season you will reap if you don't quit. Outlast them. Keep doing what's right. Keep living for God. Keep living holy. Keep doing what's right by your employer. Keep doing right. Outlast them. Consistency is the key to breakthrough. Quick story. Uh, I'll never forget my wife and I. Before we got married, uh, we were engaged at the time and we were back in Ann Arbor and uh, we were at a jewelry store, and this particular woman uh, uh, was showing us some uh, different pieces of jewelry. And so we were looking at it, and uh, man, just, just really, just, you know, newlyweds, we know we got that glow. We're loving on each other. We, we're just really enjoying each other's company. And I will never forget what this lady said to us that was working at that store. She said, oh, you guys look just so in love. She said, don't worry, it won't last. And now, 22 years later, <laughs> guess what? We outlasted the doubter. And God will give you the power and you the ability 
and you the unction to outlast the doubters. Lastly, if you're going to live a life that's changing the minds of people, you're going to have to learn what the scripture says. And verse number six, it says that people waited for him to swell up and suddenly dropped dead. But when they had waited a long time and they saw he wasn't harmed, and they saw he wasn't harmed, the Bible says then they changed their mind. In other words, you're going to have to live a life by example. They didn't change their mind based on what Paul said. They changed their mind based on what they saw Paul do. It's not what you say. It's what you do. This is why the Bible says that we should be what? Living epistles read of all men so that you can live the kind of example that will draw people closer to Jesus. Live by example. I want to challenge you today. Will you live the kind of life that changes people's minds? Will you live the kind of life that changes their minds about the challenges that they're facing? Will you live the kind of life that changes their minds about humanity? So there's some people that they've just flat out given up on humanity. They're saying all the injustice in the world, all the hatreds in the world, all, all the corruption in the world, from the top to the bottom, they're just sick of it and they've given up on humanity. But I believe as believers, God has called us to not only restore people back to God, but restore their hope back into humanity. Restore people back to change their minds about love, to change their minds about marriage, to say, you know what, this marriage thing actually works, to change their minds about Jesus. There are some people that have made up their mind and say, you know what, this, this, this God stuff, man, ain't nothing to it. Church is a bunch of hypocrites. They say one thing, they do another. I'm sick of it. But I believe that God is calling us as believers to live a life that will change their minds about Jesus. That when they see our lives, they say, you know what? Maybe Christianity is worth a try again. Maybe it's worth giving our hearts to Jesus. Maybe I can try again. Maybe I can try this church thing again. I've been hurting church, but I see your life and it looks like it's working for you. Maybe it'll work for me. As I look back in hindsight at the time, serving at Converge Church, uh, it's been such a blessing. But at the end of the day, my prayer has been that I have served in such a way and lived such a life that perfectly I was able to change somebody's mind. Somebody that was hopeless, somebody that lost faith in God. I pray at my time at Converge that when they saw me, they say, man, you know what, I want to try Jesus one more time. When they saw me serve in all the different capacities that I've served in uh, <laughs> for ministry these last 25 years, I want people to see my life and say, man, you've changed my mind. 
I used to think Christianity was a joke, but now I know it's real. I used to think loving and wholesome relationships were not even possible. But when I look at you, I see that it's real. I see your life and it gives me hope. I'm so blessed that this opportunity that I had to serve at Converge. You've got some phenomenal pastors, uh, Pastor Ray and Pastor Wendy. They have been such a blessing to my wife and I, not only as pastors, but as friends. And I'm just elated and excited for this next step of faith that my wife and I are going to be making, uh, even as we launch out into what we believe God has called us to do. Um, it's exciting, it's exhilarating, but we also know that it's going to take a lot of faith. And so I encourage you, just pray for us. Pray for the Denson family uh, as we launch out and, and do what we believe uh, the work that God has called us to do. And not only pray for us, continue to pray for Converge Church. Pray for Pastor Ray and Pastor Wendy. That Converge Church will be everything that God has called it to be. Love you. God bless you. God keep you. We're making a transition, but God is going to be glorified. Amen. Well, there you have it, Converge Nation. How to live a mind-changing life. I pray that you will apply the principles that Damon shared with us uh, to your life. You might be in the throes of decision-making. Uh, you might find yourself in the valley of decision. We pray that those principles and this word, this timely word that Damon shared, uh, will help you navigate the decisions you'll be making in the days to come. Man, thank you so much, Damon, for sharing. Uh, we, we've been saying this at Converge, that when we make better decisions, we'll have better outcomes and live with fewer regrets. And I mentioned this at the top of the message that you and Camille have made a, a, a mind-altering, a mind-shifting decision that's going to really shift the trajectory of your lives for good. Uh, we celebrate uh, this season in your lives uh, because of what you guys are going to be doing. And again, uh, I don't want to say more than I'm supposed to say. I do know that when Pastor Wendy and I started uh, as church planters a little over 10 years ago, there was one church uh, that stood with us and they made a $500 a month commitment. Uh, I had quit my job. Uh, Pastor Wendy had been home on maternity leave with Levi. And, uh, and so we stepped out in faith. Listen, when you quit your job, let this be a revelation to you. When you quit your job, they stop paying you. Just in case you are wondering. And that's our story as we started our church with a $500 commitment from Rock Point Church, a uh, sister church to us in Flower Mound, Texas, uh, Pastor Ron Holton, dear friend. Well, we wanted uh, to be a part of what God is doing uh, at your church uh, as you reach the city of Atlanta, the greater Atlanta Metroplex. And uh, man, we just prayed and wanted to be a part of making this transition easier for you guys. And uh, uh, here is an initial gift, man, to help you guys get started of $2,500 uh, that we're sowing. We want to be a part. I don't know if we're the first ones, but we wanted to get in on the front end uh, to let you know uh, that you're not alone, that God is faithful. And, uh, and he will continue to supply all of your needs. And we just want to be a part of paying it forward, uh, doing for you and Camille, 
what another great church did for us early on. And uh, so on behalf of our board and uh, uh, our entire Converge family, because of your generosity, Converge, we're able to do this. And we're hoping that in the months to come, uh, as the Lord puts you and Camille on people's hearts, uh, they'll have an address uh, that they can send their gifts to as the Lord leads and prompts them. But for us, this is just an initial gift uh, to help you guys get started in Atlanta. And uh, the Lord bless you. And we celebrate what God does next in your lives. Amen. Wow. Amen. That's all I can say. Pastor, thank you so much. Uh, you and Pastor Wendy have been such phenomenal pastors and uh, your authenticity, uh, your transparency, uh, your vulnerability, uh, your honesty, your integrity um, has just been a huge deal and a huge game changer for my wife and I. Uh, ironically, we have a taste in the same town of women since both our wives. <laughs> <laughs> same city, come on, same so, town. Ypsilanti. Ypsilanti, Michigan. Michigan. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but it, it's just so how, uh, ironic how God just connected us together. Mm. And uh, um, I'm, I'm just grateful to, to, to know you not only as a pastor, but as a friend, mm. as a confidant. Mm. Uh, and this seed, man, I'm telling you, that this is going to be a part of our testimony. Amen. This is going to be a part when we stand before the people mm. and tell them, okay, how did we get it all started? Mm. We can say, <laughs> mm -hmm. Woo! We, can, we can say Pastor Ray and Wendy mm. and the Converged Church family. Yes, sir. You know, planted that initial seed. And uh, I, man, I just. Listen, wow. Converged, this is what we do. <laughs> Jesus, wow. people, purpose. Church planting, people we love who exalt Jesus. Listen, we're going to live this thing out. We're going to flesh it out. It's not just a catchy slogan or a tagline. This is how we live. In fact, I even put on my football jersey <laughs> to celebrate you as an NFL veteran. But I have a second gift that you need to take forward with you uh, because it is anointed. That's and not that is, a, that's and that not is a my, gift. That's <laughs> not a gift. This is my Ohio State oh. hoodie that I'm going to present to a Michigan Wolverine. Oh. And it is so anointed. It is so anointed. It will destroy every yoke that the enemy throws against you that he's going to try to throw because the weapon will be formed, but it will prosper. But when you put this thing on, Damon, Woo. like James Brown's cape, come on, somebody. <laughs> You're going to be so anointed, man. <laughs> listen, you're going to transform into Superman putting this thing on. But listen, I know he won't take it because he is a loyal Michigan Wolverine. Yes. And I just want to throw that in for good measure. I'll think of Here, the we blood. Love you. I'll think of the blood. <laughs> <laughs> You'll think of the blood. Come on. Come on, somebody. Listen, we appreciate you. We celebrate you and we honor you in this new season. This is what we're going to do, Converge. This seed is only possible because of you. And, uh, and so we have a part to play in sowing into what Damon and Camille do next. Come on, let's pray uh, as we send them off with our blessing and God's grace upon them. Father, we love you. We honor you. And Lord, we thank you for the gift of Damon Denson. We thank you for the gift of the Denson family that have been so much, uh, so much of a blessing to our church. Quietly, not boisterously, 
uh, not, not uh, with pride or with a megaphone, but quietly, God. They have been a gift to our church. Lord, as they go forward, we thank you that you've, you've already ordered their steps. You've gone before them to make every crooked path straight. Yes, God. And God, you will cause rivers to flow in desolate, barren places. And because of your gracious hand, yes. your faithful hand upon them, you will cause mountains to be made plains yes. before them. Lord, we thank you in advance for the people that you will send, Jesus. that you will give them the grace, God, to love them uh, uh, and to shepherd them and to steward them well. And Lord, I thank you for the errands and the hers that you will send. Yeah. So many of them that will come and surround Damon and Camille, Thank Abigail you. and Christina, and lift up their hands. You, and as long as a Damon's hands and Camille's hands are lifted heavenward, I thank you, Lord, that they will have strength from heaven, from a place of surrender Jesus. and submission to you. God, I thank you that their every need is supplied yes, according God. to your riches, in Christ, uh, your riches in Christ, your riches in heaven in Christ, Jesus. in Jesus' name name. We thank you again for all that you will do next in the lives of the Densons. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Converge Church, thank you for who you are and what you do and for affording us this opportunity to be a part of what happens next with Damon and Camille. We love you. God bless you. Any final words? Two words. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Converge, uh, for being such a blessing uh, for to my wife and I as we take this uh, next step in our, 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 our walk with God. Um, you know, we moved to Texas about a decade ago, and, uh, you know, it's amazing. We, we, and I talked about a little about uh, in the message, uh, you know, there's a difference between uh, a pit stop and a permanent place. Mm. And it's so funny, when we first moved to Texas, we thought uh, that it was going to be a permanent place. Uh, but God uh, had another plan in mind. He had actually intended it to be a pit stop. Mm. And uh, pit stops are powerful, as I said in the message, because pit stops are places of preparation. So good. And uh, I can truly say uh, that the time we've spent here uh, has definitely been prepared us and equipped us mm. for this next phase in our journey and uh, to to walk in the assignment uh, that God has called us to do. So we're grateful. And once again, it's Converge Nation. Thank you so much. You've got super duper pastors. And we're definitely looking forward to not only what God's gonna do in our lives, but what God's gonna continue to do at Converge. Amen, amen. God bless you. Damon, thank you. Converge, thank you. We'll see you next week. If you were impacted by today's message, we would love to hear from you. Maybe today's sermon was exactly what you needed to hear. Or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we would love to send you some information to help you kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you want more information on how to join our virtual family, email us at info at weareconverged.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely at www.weareconverged.com give. You can also text 77977 type in Converge Give in the dollar amount. You can also find all of this information on our mobile app. Simply open your app or Play Store, search Converge Church Plano and download the app. It's that easy. Thank you again for joining us for today's worship experience. We look forward to staying connected with you.